Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for that great assurance that you do love us. And Lord, you loved us in such a way that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on Calvary's cross so that we might be saved by your grace through faith in him. Thank you for the freedom from sin that you give to us in Christ Jesus. Father, today teach us of that freedom so that we may realize the wonderful joy of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're looking at verse 1, just one verse today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Live free. Live free. Live free or die. Probably one of the most uh, famous and most well-known of the state mottos. It's the state motto of New Hampshire. It it captures the the sense of the revolution. Uh, We, as Americans, we we love that saying. In fact, all of us Americans most likely live in some sense by that motto, live free or die. We love the freedom that we have as Americans. And many men and women throughout the ages have given their lives. They have died for the sake of freedom. So we love our freedom. We embrace our freedom. We are willing to go and fight and die for our American freedom. I wonder if we as Christians are as concerned about our freedom in Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that we are free in Christ. But how often do we we wander back down into the bonds of slavery, giving ourselves back to the bonds of slavery to sin? Embracing the sins of this world, the things of this world, rather than seeking God? How often do we we let go of our freedom and, and sink back into the bonds of slavery to the penalty of sin, looking at God as a, a hard taskmaster master hanging over us, laying heavy burdens upon us, trying to make his blessings about what we do that pleases him? How concerned are we about our Christian freedom, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ? I'm afraid that we often, far too often, sink back into those bonds of slavery. Just like the Christians there in the churches of Galatia. As Paul had preached to them the true gospel, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, they they realized and embraced the freedom that came in Jesus Christ. Yet when false teachers come along, uh, they they listen to these false teachers who, who preached a different gospel, a gospel that was salvation by grace through faith and works. 
And all of a sudden now they have this new gospel that's kind of pleasing to their ears because we all like to work for things, to work for our due. And because this sound good to their, sounded good to their ears, now they have brought upon themselves and began to slip back into the bonds of slavery. Dear Christian, what about you? What about you? After embracing the freedom of Jesus Christ, have you allowed sin to creep back into your life? To have control over you? To bond you? Jesus Christ has given us freedom. He did not die on Calvary's cross to purchase us for slavery. He, freed, he died on the cross to, to free us, to purchase our pardon, to purchase our freedom from sin, that we might live, to truly live. And so we see today in our Scripture, because Christ has set you free, live free. Because Christ died on the cross to set you free. Dear Christian, live free. My hope and desire today is that you would embrace the joy of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and truly begin to live free in Christ. So today as we look at our text, we're going to see three truths that we must remember if we are going to live free in Christ. Three truths that we must remember if we are to live free in Christ. So let us look at our text this morning. I'm not going to ask you to stand because it's only one verse and, and it'll be through before you get settled. So Galatians chapter 1 verse uh, chapter 5 verse 1, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, as we look at this, let me just remind you briefly of the context. This statement here is a, a transition statement. Paul is transitioning into the third and final part of his letter to the churches of Galatia. He began this letter in a defense of the gospel. The false teachers had come in, they had preached another, a new gospel, faith, salvation by faith plus works, and Paul is defending the true gospel that is salvation by faith alone. And so he began the letter in the first two chapters, chapters 1 and chapter 2, it was kind of a, a grounding of his authority, the foundation of his authority. These false teachers had attacked his authority. They had said, well, Paul is not like the other apostles. He's just a man. He's just a preacher, a missionary. He didn't have the true, full gospel. And Paul, he laid the ground, the foundation of his authority. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He did not receive his, his gospel from the other apostles, but he had received it directly from Christ himself when he saw the resurrected Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. 
Then he moved in chapters 3 and 4 to lay down the doctrine that he was defending, the doctrine of justification by faith alone. We are made right before God, not through our works, not through our abilities, but we are made right before God through faith alone in Christ alone. That's it. And now in chapters 5 and 6, he moves into that final portion of his letter, where he applies the doctrine to our lives. This is what, what we do, how we live in relation to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. So this statement that we see today, this first verse, is kind of a, a thesis statement, if you will, for chapters 5 and 6. We are to live free in Christ because of our justification by faith alone in Christ alone. We are to live free. To live free free and that's what he is talking about here stand firm therefore because Christ has set you free stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery the positive command there is stand firm hold fast persevere in Christian freedom and the negative there do not shrink back do not submit yourself again to the yoke of slavery he wants to get the point across giving us both the positive command and the negative do this and don't do that and so if we are to do this if we're to stand in christian freedom and not submit back to slavery then we must know what we're living for what we're standing for we're standing for true christian freedom and so today, as we look at this, then I want to, to, again, to show you three truths for you to remember so that you might live in true Christian freedom. The first one that we see here, the first truth that we must realize here is that we are, uh, is to see what we are freed from. What we are freed from. We must remember what we are freed from. For freedom Christ has set you free. Christ has set you free. Now that term indicates that if Christ has set us free, then, there, then we were once in slavery to something, weren't we? So what has Christ set us free from? First of all, Christ has set us free from the penalty of sin. Christ has set us free from the penalty of sin. That's what Paul has been working throughout this gospel to show, or throughout this, this letter to show, that we are justified, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He has set us free from the law. We are not saved by works of the law. In fact, the works of the law, they condemn us. Rather, Christ has set us free from the penalty of sin. The penalty of the law. The condemnation of the law. Do you know that uh, there is an inherent sense of morality in every human being? Every human being has this internal sense of, of, of right and wrong. And in fact, throughout the ages, throughout history, uh, this has been some, one thing that has, uh, that has amazed people throughout the ages. Explorers go to, to new lands and they go down into the Amazon and find this lost tribe in the Amazon. And what do they find? They find that these, these, this tribe out there in the middle of nowhere with no connection to the rest of the world, they have a sense of morality. 
They have a sense of morality. They have this inherent sense of right and wrong. No matter what people you go to throughout the world, there's always this inherent sense of what's right and wrong. Throughout the world, people have always understood that it is wrong to kill another person. There's an internal sense that tells us that that's just absolutely wrong. We shouldn't kill other people. Every human being has a sense that we shouldn't steal from others. It's inherent. We have that inherent sense of morality. Every human being throughout the ages uh, have had that sense of that internal sense of morality, of right and wrong. Along with that, there's this inherent sense of reckoning. There's an inherent sense of reckoning. There's this internal sense that one day, because we can't seem to do everything right, as this internal sense tells us we ought to do right, we have this sense that one day we're going to have to stand before a judge, a mighty divine judge, and give an account for our lives. No matter where you go, no matter what people you go to, there are these two realities. There's this internal sense of morality and an inter internal sense of a day of reckoning. And scripture backs this up. Romans chapter 2 tells us, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For, catch this, for when Gentiles who do not have the law, they didn't have the written law of God, when they do not have the law by nature, do what the law, what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law, have the written law. See, Paul's saying there that there's this internal sense in, in Jews and Gentiles alike, those who have received the written command of God, the written law of God, and even to those who haven't received the command of, of God, the law of God, God has written His command on every human being's heart, this sense of morality. It's called a conscience. We all have a conscience. We have this sense of right and wrong. Now, it says, they, they show that the works of the law, those Gentiles who don't have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. You see, there's coming a day of judgment, a day of reckoning. And all of us have this understanding that there is a, a law in which we must live by. There's a morality in which we must keep. And one day we will have to give an account before God because of our inability to live up to that standard. But Christ Jesus has freed us from the penalty of the law, from the penalty of our sin, our penalty for not being able to live up 
to God's law. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 tells us. Jesus Christ, he went to Calvary's cross and he went to the cross and there on the cross he died for us. Though we are are looking for a day of judgment, looking towards a day of judgment, a day of reckoning, Jesus Christ, He went to Calvary's cross and He died on the cross in our place, paying the penalty for us. We no longer live under the condemnation of the law. He has paid for the condemnation. He took our condemnation upon Himself. He became a curse for us, Paul told us in chapter 3 of Galatians. He became a curse for us. He died for us. He paid the penalty for us so that we no longer have to live under the penalty of sin. We must remember that we have been freed from the penalty of sin. Second, we must remember that we've been freed from the power of sin. We have been freed from the power of sin. This freedom that we have in, in, in Christ is not a, a freedom to, to just live however we want to live, right? It, it, it's not a, a license to sin, but it's liberty. It's liberty from the, the penalty of sin, and it's freedom from the, the power of sin over us. Why do we continue to sin? Because sin has power over us. We have been born into sin. We have been born slaves to sin. But Christ Jesus has brought us out of that. Right? Before we we came to Christ, we had this, this, this insatiable desire to sin. We wanted sin. We longed to sin. But when Christ comes into us, And He transforms us. He transforms our desires. So we don't desire the things that we used to to desire. We can resist those things. Now, now that doesn't mean, and we all know this, it doesn't mean that that we're all of a sudden going to be free of all fleshly desires. No, we're still going to have those fleshly desires as long as we live in these bodies of flesh. But Christ Jesus, where sin once reigned over us, Christ Jesus has freed us from the power of sin. He has brought us out of death in sin to life in Him. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 14 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your member to God and your members to God as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace Christ has freed you Christian he has freed you not only from the penalty of sin but from the power of sin over your life You can fight sin. You can resist sin. You can run away from it once you are bound to it in shackles and chains. But now He has freed those bonds and you can run away from sin to live for Christ. 
Jason's brother, Michael. For many years, maybe some of you probably met him the last time he was here. Next time he's here, I hope to maybe have a time for him to share his testimony. But, but Michael, he was, he was raised in a Christian home, taught to do right or wrong. But then somewhere along the way, he began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. And he became a, a slave to drugs. And he would try to do better. He would try to overcome it. He would try to over, overcome the power of drugs in his life. But they kept him shackled. They kept him chained and under their power. For years and years and years, he struggled. Longing to be free inside, but unable to break free from the bondage of the drugs. But then Christ came in. And Christ set Michael free. And when Christ set Michael free, Michael is now free indeed. The drugs no longer have power over him. Now I'm sure the temptation it remains... But the power of Jesus Christ is stronger. The power of Jesus Christ has given him strength to overcome the temptations. The power of Jesus Christ has broken the chains, broken his bondage to drugs, and given him life in Christ. And the same is true for you, dear friend. Whatever it may be in your life that's keeping you in bondage, holding you back from truly living in Christ. Christ Jesus has given you the power over it. He has broken those chains so that you may live free in Him. You see, our problem is that we far too often reminisce about the days of old when we enjoyed those old sin, sinful things. We, like the, the Israelites, we, we look back on our bondage in Egypt and, and we think, oh, how good it was in Egypt. How good we had it. We had food on our table. We had waters, water in our cisterns. We had it so good, they forgot the bondage. They forgot the torment. They forgot the misery. And they longed to return to Egypt. So God had given them freedom. Dear Christian, are you reminiscing about how good it was when you were living in sin? Are you allowing sin to draw you back into its hold? Release yourself in Christ Jesus. He has freed you. Live in Him. Though we have been freed from the penalty of sin and we have been freed from the power of sin. Second, we need to remember what we are freed to. What we are freed to. What are we freed to do? For freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. For freedom. That is to, to live, to truly live, and to live in true freedom in Jesus Christ. You know, sin keeps us from truly living. What is true life according to God. 
What has God created us to do? What has He created us to be? He has created us to love. That's why the two great commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. God created us to be in, a re- in relationship with Him and with others. But sin breaks those relationships. And sin hinders us from truly loving God and loving others. But in Christ we are free to truly, one, love God. We are free to truly love God. Now I want, to th- I want you to think about this. Did you know the penalty of sin? Slavery to the penalty of sin? It wrecks our relationship with God. The penalty of sin wrecks our relationship with God. When we live under the penalty of sin, we look at God like, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to check our boxes. We've got to live a certain way or God's not going to love us. He's not going to bless us. And when we begin to live like that, we begin to live under sin. And when we live like that, we don't view God as a loving Father, but we view God as a a harsh taskmaster who has laid upon us a heavy burden. Martin Luther, before he, became, he, he came to the understanding that salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, when he was living under this idea of faith plus works, believing he had to earn God's favor in his life, he, he worked hard. He worked diligently to, to find pleasure with God, to please God with what he did. In fact, he once told someone, if, if any monk was ever to get into heaven because of his monkery, it would be I. Right? He did it all. He did all that he could to please God, but he couldn't do it. He always found himself coming up short. And he struggled and struggled and struggled. And one of his elders asked him one time, he said, Martin Luther, don't you love God? And Luther replied, love God? Sometimes I hate God. I hate Him. You see, he began to see, living under the condemnation of the law, under the condemnation of sin, he began to see God not as a loving Father, but as a harsh taskmaster who was ready to strike Him down in a moment for failing to keep His commandments. But when we're freed in Jesus Christ, we're free to truly love God. We're, true, we're free to truly seek to obey Him, but be able to, to love Him when we fail. John Calvin illustrates it like this. He says, those bound by the yoke of the law are like servants assigned certain tasks for each day by their masters. These servants think they have they, these servants think they have accomplished nothing and dare not appear before their master unless they have fulfilled the exact measure of their task. But sons, children, who are more generously and candidly treated by their fathers, do not hesitate to offer them incomplete and half-done and even defective works, trusting that their obedience and, and readiness of mind will be accepted 
by their fathers, even though they have not quite achieved what their father intended. Such children ought we to be, firmly trusting that our services will be approved by our most merciful Father, however small, rude, and imperfect these may be. Dear Christian, you have been freed in Christ Jesus to love God, to seek to obey Him, but yet have the understanding that you are no longer condemned in your failures. He no longer condemns you. But you can see Him as a loving Father. Christian freedom gives us freedom to live and to love God. Second, our Christian freedom frees us to love others. It frees us to love others. You know, sin's power over us, it wrecks our relationships with others, doesn't it? Sin's power over us, it has a tendency to wreck our relationship with other people. Further down in the text, we'll get to this in a few weeks, but Paul lists these sins here. He says there, uh, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now those are sinful things. Those are powers over us and our sin nature. And I want you to see here, just take an example of some things here that <clears throat> excuse me, Paul lists that wreck our relationship with other people. Take sexual immorality, for instance. Sexual immorality wrecks our marriage, doesn't it? Sexual immorality will absolutely, positively wreck your marriage. It will wreck your relationship to your husband or your wife. Think about Fits of anger. Anger will wreck your relationship with other people. I remember a time, not too terribly long ago, back when we lived in Warren, someone offended me and they, they really sinned against me. It was a sin and I became angry. I mean, I thought it was righteous anger, right? Because they had truly sinned against me. They had done something that really hurt me. And it was unjustifiable. And I became angry. And I let that anger rule over me. So much so that it affected my relationship, of course, with that person. I didn't want to go out in town. I didn't want to take a chance of meeting that person. So I avoided that person. It also wrecked my relationship with other people because if they were friends with that, that person, well then, uh, they must not be friends of mine, right? And so it began to wreck my relationship with even other people. By the grace of God, he got a hold of me one time and opened my eyes to what I was truly doing by holding on to that anger, becoming a slave to my anger. I was wrecking my relationship with other people. And quite frankly, I was wrecking my relationship with God because I was allowing sin to reign over me. By God's grace, I forgave that person. And when I f forgave that person, they never asked for it. 
They never came seeking forgiveness, but I forgave them. I'm not holding that against them any longer. I'm forgiving them. I'm releasing it. And now that it has been released, I can go out. I can go up to that person. I can shake his hand. I can say, how are you doing? I can love him, though he offended me, though he sinned against me. I can love him. I can love all of those who love him. It has no effect on any of those relationships any longer. Sin will wreck your relationship with others if you allow the power of sin to rule over your life. Christ Jesus has freed you to live and to love, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself. Dear Christian, are you living in the freedom of love? Though we are if we are to live in Christian freedom, we must remember what, uh, what we are freed from. We must remember what we are freed to. And finally, we must remember who freed us. We must remember who freed us. Christ Jesus freed us. For freedom, Christ has set you free. It is Christ who came. It's Christ who paid the penalty in your place. Christ paid the price, the redeeming price to free you from bondage to sin. He became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged upon a tree. He went to Calvary's cross. And on the cross, He bore the penalty of God for our sin in our place. To free us from the penalty of sin. So that we might truly know God and love God. To be in a relationship with God. No longer at odds with Him. No longer as, as rebels against Him. No longer enemies, but now children. Christ freed you to be a child of God. And He paid the price to free you from the power of sin over you. No longer to live under the, the power and the dominion of sin, but He freed you to live. And not only that, as we've already seen, and Paul's going to show us again later on in this letter, He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to live in us. To truly give us power. We have divine power living in us to give us strength to resist and fight the temptations that this world hurls at us. And even those temptations our own flesh hurls towards us. Christ Jesus has freed us. One, commentary, one commentator tells the story of a time uh, pre-Civil War before the slaves were, were freed, there was a man who went down to a slave market. And he went into the slave market and there was a, a young woman, a young slave being auctioned off on the market. And he went and he paid the redeeming price to, to buy that young lady. And as they were leaving the auction house, he turned to this young girl and he says, You're free. He looked at him and says, I'm free? Yes, you're free. 
I'm free to say whatever I want to say. Yes, you're free to say whatever you want to say. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Yes, you're free to do whatever you want to do. I'm free to be whatever I want to be. Yes, you're free to be whatever you want to be. And I'm free to go wherever I want to go. Yes, you're free to go wherever you want to go. And she looked at him and said, I want to go with you. Dear Christian, Christ Jesus paid the redeeming price, the high price of His very life to free you. Now will you follow Him? Will you trust in Him? Will you trust that He has your best interest at heart? Don't live in the bondage of sin. Don't live under the bondage of of the the penalty of sin. Thinking that that you have to live and, and do certain things to please God. Don't live under the bondage of the, uh, of the power of sin, allowing sin to, to wreck your relationship with God and wreck your relationship with others. But live free in Christ Jesus. We are not called to live free or die. We're called to live free because Christ died. Dear Christian, are you living in that freedom today? Are you standing firm in the the freedom that Christ has bought for you and given to you? Perhaps this morning you realize that you have slipped back underneath the power of sin. There's some sin in your life that has crept back in. And it's not just an occasional thing. We all have our mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Every day we all sin. But, But to live under the power of sin is to allow it to have dominion over you, to rule and reign over you. Is there sin in your life today that you have allowed to have dominion over you? To have power over you? To rule and reign over you? Live in Christian freedom this morning. Release it. Release it. Give it to God. Give it back to Christ. Today, pray that He would give you power over that sin to overcome its power in your life. Or perhaps today, dear Christian, you have have slipped back in under the, the penalty of sin. You're in bondage to the penalty of sin. You have brought back into your life this idea that you've got to do this, do that, and do this other thing to truly get the blessings of God. God's not going to give you your blessings, give you His blessings because you didn't pray enough this week. Or you didn't read your Bible enough this week. Dear Christian, Christ has died to free you from the penalty of sin. God's blessing is upon your life is not contingent upon what you do. His blessings upon your life is contingent upon what Christ has done. You are blessed because of Christ's work, what He has accomplished on the cross in your place. Live today. Turn it over to God. Whatever it is that you has been holding you and binding you. Release it to God today and live in the freedom, the joy of the freedom 
that you have in Christ Jesus. Perhaps there are those. And today you realize that you've never had Christian freedom. You've never had Christian freedom because you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never trusted Him. He has paid the price for you. All you must do is believe. There's nothing, no work to be done. You're saved by faith alone. Will you believe in Jesus? You're in bondage to sin. It's penalty and it's power. But if you trust in Jesus, He will free you. Will you trust Him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, we do thank You, Lord, for the wonderful freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Christ has set us free. Lord God, now let us live free. And Lord, if there are those who have never realized Your freedom, never embraced Your freedom, Father, turn their hearts to Jesus today that they may come into Your kingdom and know the freedom that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. These things I ask in Christ's name. Amen.